Now, while it's been a torrid week on the domestic political front, it's actually been a big week on the international stage for Australia. Amid all the headlines here about Qantas and Qatar, uh, you may have missed that the Prime Minister released a landmark new strategy aimed at boosting Australia's two-way trade and investment with Southeast Asia. This is the most substantive piece of work ever done about Australia's relations when it comes to our economic future with Southeast Asia. The opportunity that we have, have to create prosperity and create jobs here, as well as to lift living standards in our region. This is of course tied as well with national security issues. When you lift living standards and provide opportunity and build those relationships as I have with people like President Wadodo, uh, what you do is you strengthen our position. Well, it was Nicholas Moore, the former Macquarie Group chief executive, who the Prime Minister turned to, to explore the opportunities of how to boost our lacklustre trade and engagement in the region. Nicholas Moore is now the government's Southeast Asia envoy and author of Invested, Australia's Southeast Asia Economic Strategy to 2040. And I'm very pleased to welcome Nicholas to Saturday Extra. Uh, Good morning to you. Uh, Good morning, Hamish. Great to be here. Why has trade with Southeast Asia been neglected for so long? Well, it's trade and investment, Hamish, I think is the key point. It's it's both of them. And we're looking at two-way trade and investment. Uh, when you look look at the numbers in terms of what's happening with trade, it's actually it's actually tracked along on a pretty consistent level in terms of where we are today at about sort of fourteen percent. Uh, the region, on the other hand, has been growing faster than that, so it's tracking along the same level as our economy. But the region, of course, is growing much faster than that. So, so from a trade viewpoint, it's 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 not it's not terrible. It's actually you know quite strong, but it's not growing at the rate the region is. The element uh, that is uh, clear underperforming is our foreign direct investment. So when we look at our investment uh, in the region, it's actually come off in recent years whilst the rest of the world is stepping up and investing in the region. So from a trade viewpoint, we think there's going to be a lot more growth going forward and we'd like to be a part of that. From an investment viewpoint, we're actually uh, going backwards while the rest of the world is going forward. And why is that? What's the hesitation from the Australian perspective? Well, it's a it's a, it's a range of issues. What we've come back, we've come out with a number of recommendations that are focusing on four different areas, four different categories of things the government can do to increase two-way trade and investment. And some of it, the first category is raising awareness, you know, such as this program we're having right now to actually talk about the opportunities that are available in the region. So businesses in Australia, investors in Australia, and similarly businesses and and investors in the region are aware of Australia. We want investors and businesses in Australia to be aware of what's going on in the region. So we've got a whole group of recommendations to build awareness. The second category of recommendations we have is looking at the underlying blockages. Even though we have good architecture in terms of trade and investment between the region and Australia, we still do have blockages and they were identified uh, by a whole group of people. And so we have recommendations in terms of the sorts of blockages uh, that we we should be removing, how we standardise standards in some of the emerging industries, qualifications, things of that nature. And then we're looking at building capacity. So building capacity from an individual viewpoint, human capital viewpoint, but also from the point of view of the government and the private sector, making uh, the governments of the region more capable, making our governments uh, more capable. And fourthly, in terms of 
deepening investment, what can the government be doing to help the investment decision uh, between Australia and the uh, and the region? And we've got a number of recommendations in that category as well. So I think all four of those categories um, play to the issue as to how we can boost uh, two-way trade and investment. I was interested to read, though, that Australia's investment to ASEAN countries is actually less than Australia's foreign investment in New Zealand alone. Yes, it's a very, te- very telling statistic, isn't it? Uh, uh, and is, also, when you look at the, it, the Australian investment, a lot of it is in, in uh, Singapore. If you take out Singapore and Timor Leste, it's only uh, 0.9% of our investment in the rest of uh, rest of Asia. And it's also a very narrow range of businesses as well, right? That's right. From a trading viewpoint, quite right. The things that we are trading at the moment, they're our traditional commodities. Education is something as well as that we should highlight. Education's done very well in the region. But mostly it's the traditional commodities uh, that you expect Australia to be selling to uh, developing uh, developing economies. We think there's a lot more potential for small and medium businesses to be involved as well. Now, the problem is you're dealing with 10 different countries, and so you have different regulatory regimes, a whole range of different issues. And so that's one of the issues we've highlighted is a, is a greater role for Austrade. Austrade's already doing a, a good job in the region, but a greater role for Austrade um, and EFAO, Export Finance Agency, to help small to medium-sized businesses participate in the trade in the region. What is Australia missing out on in Southeast Asia? Because as you're pointing out, you know, there is increasing interest from the rest of the world uh, and Australia's dropping behind in that sense and, and there is a lot happening. That's right. And, and, and Australia is increasingly interested. So I think when you look at the, the, what's happening in the region, uh, there's, uh, there's a, a definite um, growth of exports to both the United States and to Europe. So we see a, a, a growing, uh, and indeed to China as well. So we see a, a growing export sector that's very familiar with the growth patterns we saw, you know, back in the 50s uh, with Japan and rolling forward to Korea and Taiwan in the 60s, and then of course more recently with with China, where you see that growing export sector. We're seeing that through a whole range of the different countries uh, in the in, in the region. But as well as that, we've got urbanisation uh, taking place, uh, the growth of the cities. And you know, when you go to the cities in the region, you can't help but be impressed at how quickly they're growing and the size and the scale. So in terms of some of the sectors that Australians are active in and can be more active in, includes the, the urbanisation story. So in terms of, uh, in terms of infrastructure, you know, the need for infrastructure in the region is over $200 billion a year. In terms of the energy transition, Again, the numbers uh, to meet the, the targets and the goals they have are about $200 billion a year there. So areas that Australia is strong is we've got people working in the area as well, you know, massive opportunities in terms of how the economies are going to grow. Other traditional strengths of Australia, such as in resource development, uh, with particularly with, um, again, the energy transition, uh, the talk uh, this week in Jakarta has all been about um, the EVs, the batteries focus that the Indonesian government has, the, the need for the critical minerals, the need for, for lithium. Uh, there's a whole range of need for those um, those resources across the region. There are good resources in the region as well as in Australia. And Australia can play both as a supplier and as a developer of those resources. As, but as well as that, in terms of building the capability uh, within the um, government sector 
to be able to deal with that sort of uh, that, that that sort of expansion. So there's a lot that Australia can be doing in the in the resources sector, and of course in the digital sector, um, the digital sector is is booming, of course, around the world, including in the region, and uh, particularly big countries such as Indonesia and Vietnam, very active uh, digital tech sectors. Uh, a lot of them are working with Australian organisations today, but a long way to go in terms of how their economies are digitalising. And, of course, a lot of them are coming from a different point than Australia, so there's a lot more scope for the digitalisation of the economy to really uh, allow growth to leapfrog in, in many different areas. Uh, so talking- there's lots of areas, and, and we highlight them in the report, 10 different areas where... Uh, uh, Australia can be uh, can 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 be working. I'm talking to Nicholas Moore, who's now Australia's envoy to Southeast Asia. Uh, I suppose one observation might be that every now and then Australia does take a bit more of an interest in Southeast Asia, a bit more of an interest in Indonesia and say, look, there's not a lot of opportunity there. We need to 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 jump on that. But we don't ever seem to quite fulfil that promise. Is anything different this time? I think so. I mean, I think the, the you know there's a number of things that are, that are different always. Of course, uh, one thing is the the scale, of course, of the uh, of the of the region. You know, the region is um, a lot larger, obviously, today than it's ever been. Um, it, it is our second largest trading partner, you know, behind China. So it's already a, a very substantial um, trading partner, but also the growth. So globally, when people are looking at growth at the moment around the world. The developed world is expected to be growing at one, one and a half percent. China obviously has growth issues at the moment. Everyone's very confident in terms of the ongoing growth uh, of the of the region, which has been strong for the last twenty years, and it's forecast uh, over the period of this um, uh, strategy, which is between now and twenty forty, to be averaging at four percent per annum. So that's very strong growth. So Australia will be benefiting from that and the question is how do we benefit more from it and and you know fortunately we we do have complementary uh, economies in terms of what we have to offer versus what's there as well as that we've got the um, a lot of other advantages you know there's a million people of a southeast asian background operating in uh, living in australia today and we have uh, over 500,000 alumni from australian universities operating in the region today so we have a lot of human to human depth of human capital in terms of uh, in terms of that engagement, and that's increasing. Uh, you know, every day, you know, every day there are more uh, people attending Australian universities, both in Australia and, of course, in the region. And one of the great success stories uh, of Australia in the region is the is the university sector. And uh, we've seen, uh, for example, in Indonesia, we've got Monash University operating. We've we received licenses uh, for another three universities to be operating in Indonesia as well. Sure. So there are many universities operating. There are many um, uh, there are many um, uh, people operating between Australia and the region. So I, I think, given the growth in the region, given how how much we've actually have invested there at the moment in terms of particularly with people uh, and the complementary nature of our, to, our our economies, I think we should be optimistic in terms of where we should go. Briefly, if you could, because we are running out of time, your strategy paper singles out super funds, Australian <coughs> super funds, as a possible source of investment in some of the big infrastructure and energy projects that are needed in Southeast Asia. Is there some risk for Australians having their super, their retirement savings in that sort of stuff, given the regulatory changes that often occur in, in some of these countries? Yes, so 
So we do we do say that it's it's not just the it's not just the super sector. It's basically the corporate sector as well, and we do highlight, as you say, infrastructure being a, a sector, and the uh, and the energy re- uh, renewable sector. And yes, there 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 is risk there. There's no doubt about it, and the risk will have to be carefully considered. And as we say, it's only for sound projects uh, that investment should take place. Now, to that end, the government announced during the uh, week. One of the pardon me initiatives that were were announced uh, was uh, one to focus on deal teams. We, these are groups of people uh, supported by the Export Finance Agency and Austrade to work together to try to form up potential projects to identify the risks so that they can be managed appropriately Nicholas, and so people can d- determine whether they're, they're, they're sound or not. We will have to leave it there. We've got to get to the news. Really appreciate your insights okay, this you. morning. Nicholas Moore is the government's Southeast Asia envoy. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.